Hi, and welcome back to the Daily Tech Start, where I share with you my day-to-day -day experiences working at a tech startup and the lessons I learned along the way. And this is episode 11. So I'm actually in the middle of prepping for a pretty big meeting that I have tomorrow um, that I'm going to, and I'm heading back to Brussels at an inhumane hour in the morning, which I'm not looking forward to. Um, I always do this. There's a really, I shouldn't say really early, there's an early train or Eurostar that leaves from London at 6am and I always look at it and go, oh, that's okay. And then always forgetting that actually that's a kickoff um, or wake up at 4am in the morning. Anyway, always do this to myself and I only have myself to blame. So that's what I'm doing tomorrow. So I'm going back to Brussels and I'm actually only going to spend five hours there. Um, and I'll be back tomorrow evening back in London um, after that quick trip. So I also had a fun um, couple of days. I recorded my Political Europe podcast interview with Ryan Heath on Wednesday afternoon, which is great. Um, as ever, love doing it. I always love these um, podcast type interviews or talking about specific topics on the radio. Um, but what's funny is I love doing it in the moment. We always speak about lots of great things. We spoke about specifically this time, data security, civ tech, the intersection between um, and the lack probably of cooperation between tech companies and startups and government. Um, spoke a bit about politics. Um, and as I say, I always do this, really happy with the result, really happy with the conversation, feel like I did a great job. And then I start overthinking absolutely everything. And I find myself in the morning, prepping the next day, the shower in the meeting, on the bus ride sort of thinking, oh shit, what if, what if, what if? Um, and it's all terrible, there's nothing in it. Um, but I always end up doing it, it's fascinating. I always worry that I misrepresent my customers or my company. Um, and then I start really thinking into every single word um, and the power of a word and the meaning and how people can misuse it or misinterpret it. Anyway, it's interesting because I always go through these same motions every single time I do a, an interview, whether it's paper interviews or for an article, written article or for the radio. Anyway, it's fascinating. So all that to say, it was great as ever. I had a wonderful time. I'll let you know when um, the podcast is live. Should probably be in the next week or two. Um, super interesting if you... And actually, it's a great way um, to people and listeners like like you might be here um, looking at how to expand your reach and just wanting to get your word out. Actually, being interviewed or interviewing people is always a fascinating way of getting your name out there. It's also a fascinating way of sort of sharing readership and listeners um so anyway it's great practice as well um and there's always something um less intrusive or less scary about doing podcast interviews than the radio or maybe the tv um strangely enough it seems to be the week of podcasts because that same day actually as i was walking to my meeting i think for this i was reading um actually no that was the night before but anyway in that same 24 hours, I had a family friend who asked me about monetizing um, his podcast, which obviously got me thinking. Um, so I've got a couple of ideas of how I would monetize a podcast. Not that I do it yet because I'm nowhere near getting anything that's relevant or even worthwhile monetizing. Um, but I was curious, and I'll obviously share what I have in mind, but I was curious to think about how you guys would go about monetizing um, your podcast, um, what you've seen works, what you don't like, what you do like. Um, 
I used to really hate um, the quick sponsored ads, but actually I really don't mind it now. Um, I understand it and it's a bit like a YouTube video. You can just skip 15 seconds ahead if you don't want to listen to it. So back to monetizing your podcast. Um, here are some of the, I'd say maybe not obvious, but top of mind ways that I would do it. And as I mentioned, the first one is selling sponsorship. Um, I think that's probably the most um, common way, um, especially today, the most common way to monetize your, your podcast. Um, I would say keep it short and sweet and relevant. Um, I also have a tendency to think that this is only truly going to be worthwhile if you've probably got in the high five figures, six figures um, of number of downloads and listeners, um, simply because I think that the money you would get, it's a bit like selling um, banners on, on websites, that if the traffic's not very high, um, you're going to get a little bit of revenue out of it, but quite frankly, not a lot. Um, and you just sort of have to think about, is it worth it? Um, it's not worth having a website full of advertising or a podcast um, with sponsored content or with, with sponsor, or sponsorships upfront um, if it's not going to bring you that amount of money. I, I get in and go, that's, that's the sort of pros and cons that I, or the way that I would make that calculation and, and look at it. The other thing with um, sponsorship or sponsored content, I actually have to say I'd rather know that it's an ad and know that it's a sponsor i don't know a sponsorship up front rather than someone trying to dress it up um as something other than what it is um one of the people i used to work with said um something along the lines it's not because you put lipstick on the pig that it's no longer a pig it's still a pig um which first of all is um hilarious as an expression and also i am the queen at destroying expressions but we can do a whole podcast one day on that um but i think it was so true and i i think it was although i absolutely love her and i could be mistaken i absolutely love um sofia maruso but i think in one of her latest podcasts they did something along the lines of it was clearly a sponsorship um for a recruiting company or a recruiting app and they did this whole thing where she's asking do you remember when i tried to recruit people do you remember what i used oh if only we would have had this app and it was so obviously a sponsored ad um and i just think there's i don't know i in when it comes to sponsorships i think just take it as it is it's an ad it's totally fine no one's going to hate you for it just don't dress it up um and if you do it better be very well done that it's not obviously an ad um, and then you sort of get into the transparency and regulations and all of that but we won't dive into that the second um i think way of doing it is creating um or promoting a members a membership only website with exclusive content um, a lot of people do this where some of the content is for free or snippets of the content are for free a bit like selling an ebook first chapters for free and then you have to pay if you want the full thing i think that's a very another very clever way of, of doing things i would say you have to i wouldn't do that at the beginning because if you're building a brand and you want to get people excited about the content and you want to build that audience first i would first give everything away for free and then you have to do that transition very delicately of if you're all of a sudden going to start charging for people for it they better understand why and the content you're delivering better be of a specific level of quality um and the third way that i kind of like how people are doing it is they're also building up mailing lists which is also then pretty easy to monetize once you've built out a solid mailing list and you've again you've got a mailing list with you know five five figures of people who've subscribed to it um then you can start charging for um you know 
sponsored ad and content on the mailing list as well, which is a great way of doing it. So you're taking people from a podcast to a mailing list and vice versa and creating this circle. Um, the other way um, is also you can also sell an iPhone app. Um, I don't know. I've been a bit. So many people are selling apps that don't need to be apps. So I'm a little bit dubious with that. I think that's a way that could work really well. Um, and the fifth way, I think, is just simply asking donations. And I think that's a great way of doing it. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you need to survive and you're actually delivering and doing people a service. And this is taking time out of your day. So why not? And why not just simply ask? Um, the Guardian, for example, is one of the few online newspapers that doesn't hide content behind a paywall. And they have a banner on the website, you know, that asks people, quite frankly, for recurring donations. And, and I'm always more inclined um, to do it because I get why they're doing it and their content is valuable um, and they are one of the few people who give all of this content out for free. So those are my sort of top five ways of thinking about how you maybe might be able to monetize um, your podcast. Another story this week that caught my eye, which I, I also thought was quite interesting, was um, the sort of ongoing not going to say battle, the ongoing discussion between Snapchat versus Instagram and obviously Instagram coming out with a lot of Snapchat, um, Snapchat like features like the Instagram stories. But this what came out here was an article explaining how um, Snapchat influencers are apparently fleeing to Instagram to make money, which I thought was quite interesting because it's not that these people are fleeing because the product is better, it's because they actually want to, on the topic of monetizing, they want to monetize their craft and their art. Um, and apparently, and actually not apparently, there's a, there's a huge study that came out of how many people, are, how much, sorry, people are earning from posting on Instagram. And it's big, you know, five, six figures. It's pretty, pretty outstanding what people can make. Um, but what was interesting is that apparently Snapchat made the point that um, the reason, the, so sorry, the reason why people are fleeing to Instagram is because the numbers, getting the numbers and the results and, you know, how many people like a specific post or saw a story, all of that is very transparent and very open. And it's easy for these people to see all of this. Whereas on Snapchat, it's much more complicated to actually prove if you've got, if you're selling something to someone, it's very, very hard to prove what your reach was and how many people saw it. So people are sort of apparently taking snapshots of 24 hours later, the number of views um, that a specific post had. Um, or specific story. Um, but what was interesting is actually Snapchat came out saying that this was by design. Um, so Snapchat's parent company, um, which is Snap Inc., um, mentioned that the app is mostly meant to be used for communication amongst close friends rather than by influencers wanting to make money, which I actually kind of love um, because I think we have lost a little bit of this. These platforms are supposed to be social platforms and I think they still are, but they've definitely also become ways for people to market and, and monetize their content, which I am absolutely not against. But I did think it was kind of refreshing to hear Snapchat say that, you know, the why they created Snapchat was really to communicate amongst friends, um, not these influencers. But I'll tell you what has been um, interesting is I did, I have actually for a moment stopped posting on Snapchat and started posting much more on Instagram. I think just because I've, I'm being lazy and I've already got an audience there and it's built um, and there's less work for me to do. But 
I do kind of want to go back to Snapchat and I think I just want to figure out, um, I'm one of these people who needs to understand what content I'm posting on Anchor and why and what's my audience, why am I posting stuff on, on Instagram and Twitter, etc. And I think I've yet to sort of really identify how I want to use Snapchat and for what. So I've gone out and bought the Snapticals. I really enjoy them. Um, so maybe I'm, I, after this article, I kind of went back to, huh, why don't I just use Snapchat for me and my friends and to play, you know, to play around and communicate with them rather than it always having to be about building a brand and building a wider audience. And and who knows, maybe the audience will come with that. Um, so I don't know. I've been thinking about that. So I'm I'm curious also how you've, do you, is it just me, but do you have a plan for where you publish your content and why you put it on Snapchat versus Instagram or Twitter versus know Facebook um so yeah I thought that was just very curious and it's I do feel bad for Snapchat I really shouldn't um that Instagram just came and basically cloned all of these really cool features that they have I still actually think that the filters um for what it's worth on Snapchat are way way better and way more creative um than what Instagram is coming out with but maybe that's just me um so that's it from me folks I need to go back to um can't believe I just said folks but there you go um I need to go back to prepping for tomorrow's meeting and putting uh, my bag together or I will forget things tomorrow morning at 4am. Wish you all a great evening. Bye.